You're listening to an audio message from Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. For more information, visit our website at harvestgranger.org. Open your Bibles to 1 Peter, almost to the end of your Bible. And we're going to read a little section written by one of the 12 disciples of Jesus. This was a man who actually... um, lived and walked with Jesus and was one of the first people to see the empty tomb. And he's got something to say about the resurrection. We're going to see that here in just a minute. And um, let me just kind of give you the theme for today. It's simply this. Hope is alive because Jesus is alive. Um, When I was 19 years old, I had a really odd job. It was probably the best job you could have as a 19-year-old boy in college. I worked at a funeral home. You say, well, what would be good about that? It was just interesting. And you say, what did you do? Well, we did a lot of different things. Um, One of the things I got to do was unload the caskets. So Batesville Casket Company every week would deliver these caskets. And they came in various sizes and shapes and, and different metals or woods and different colors. And, and we had a whole showroom. You could walk in there and pick out whatever casket you felt like you wanted to spend the rest of your time in um, while you were here on earth. Um, and, and it was just kind of interesting getting those things dusted and polished up and making them look so nice so that dead people could get in them. Um, it was interesting. And then every now and then, um, someone in our city would die. It happens. And uh, they would call the funeral home and they say, it's time for you to come and, and prepare the body for burial. And so we would go pick up these dead people and bring them back to the funeral home and get them ready and make them look all as nice as, as they could. And, you know, you always kind of waited for that family member to come around and say, he looks great. And as a 19-year-old sarcastic young man, I had to bite my tongue not to say, he's dead. <laughs> he may look great. He's not doing great. Unless he's actually alive in another place. And a lot of people struggle with the concept of the afterlife. There's a guy, do you remember the guy that used to have the talk show back on CNN, Larry King? You remember this guy? Larry King used to always ask his guests this this question. It, It was like every guest he had to ask them, so what do you think about the afterlife? Do you think this is it? And he was so fixated on death. As a matter of fact, a few months ago, uh, New York Times Magazine did an article on Larry King, and he kind of opened up about the way that he felt about death and why he was so obsessed with death. And this is what he said. He said, I fear death. My biggest fear is death because I don't think I'm going anywhere. And since I don't think that, I don't have a belief. I don't have a faith. He says, I'm an unbeliever. All this stuff that you guys are so excited about this morning, Larry doesn't believe the way that we believe. And he says, he says, here's his alternative. He said, I want to be frozen. I would invite him to come and live in northern Michigan or or northern Indiana if he wants to be frozen. We're frozen about half the year here. But he's talking about like permanently, like Han Solo, you know. And, um, And he says, I want to be frozen in the hope, there's our word, in the hope that they'll find whatever I died of and bring me back. And so, 
the slimmer of the, the slim hope, the glimmer of hope, it's what happens when you combine slim and glimmer, you create a new word called slimmer. Um, the glimmer of hope that he has is that somehow years from now, after he's dead, scientists will figure out what killed him, inject him with the solution, and he'll wake back up. His wife told him he needs to stop talking about death because he's scaring the children, his seventh wife, by the way. And, um, and so Larry's looking for something, but he hasn't found the living hope that is offered to those who simply believe that Jesus came and died a death in my place, and he rose again and lives today to bring resurrection power and living hope for every one of us who believe in the risen Savior. Do you have a hope today? Is there a sense of hopelessness when you turn on the news and you find out that terrorists have committed another violent act and you look at the political climate and the candidates that we get to choose from and you're like, really? Is that where my hope is? Or you look at your bank balance or you look at your debt and you wonder, really, is that ever going to get paid off? What is hope? Let's give it a definition here. Actually, before we give the definition, let's look in the scripture. 1 Peter chapter 1. Let's read the words of this man who lived with Jesus. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see the word blessed there? That's an exclamation. It's an exaltation. It's a verb that says, I am coming to offer to you the thing that God wants most out of my life. Do you understand that you and I were created to be a blessing to God? And yet you and I usually don't live there, right? Usually our prayers go like this. God, would you bless me? God, did you see how hard I worked to get to church this morning? And God, did you see how many calories I burned during church this morning? I mean, I, surely you can bless me now, right? Could you just kind of fix my finances and fix my marriage and, and fix my kids? And Lord... We come kind of expecting God to bless us, but do you know what Peter understood? That his life was meant to offer a blessing to God. What we did in the last 30 minutes in our worship time was our best effort to give a blessing to God and let him know the value and the worth and the honor and the glory that belongs to him. Our lives were created to be a blessing. And so he says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So he mentions this living hope. What is this living hope? Let's give it a definition. Hope is the confident expectation that something better is coming tomorrow. How was your week? Did you have a bad week? If you had a bad week and you're a Christian, you can live with hope that next week's going to be better. Some of you say, Trent, I didn't have a bad week. I've had a bad life. I mean, the last 30 years, the pain, the agony, and the hurt, and the abuse, and what's happened to me, and the failures, and look, I, I just, and yet, if you're a Christian, do you understand 
that the living hope gives us a confident expectation that something better is coming even after this life. Hope is what all of us want. It's what all of us need, and it's what is offered to us. We're going to learn three things about hope here this morning. Here's the first thing. Hope is something that is caused. Even as we talk about hope, you're probably sitting there like, yeah, I should be more hopeful. So I'm going to try that this week. Try to grunt out some hope, you know. You feel guilty for being hopeless. And so I was like, okay, I'm not going to be hopeless anymore. I'm going to really try to be more hopeful. You'll never be able to pull that off. Hope is not something that is worked up from the inside. Hope is something that is caused by believing something on the outside. Hope is caused. I want you to see it here. It says, it says according to your great mercy. You know what mercy is? Mercy is God not giving me what I do deserve. Anybody here need any mercy? Anybody hopeful that God's going to be merciful to you? A lot of times when I'm trying to talk to people about their faith, and I'll ask them the question, are you confident if you died right now, you'd go to heaven? You know what people often say to me? I hope so. I hope so. But they're not expressing to me that I have a confident expectation that I will be in heaven. And so we use the word hope in a lot of different ways. Um, some of you say, I'm going to watch that basketball game this afternoon. I hope we win. But that's not a confident expectation based on a promised provision by God. And so hope is something that is caused by God's mercy. And you and I are candidates for God's mercy. Let's think about mercy here for a minute. I'll tell you about a sad reality that happened a few weeks ago. There was a crime committed in our church. A 10-year-old member of this congregation who happens to share the same address as me, decided to exercise his Second Amendment rights and grabbed his BB gun and went into the backyard of a neighbor, a partner in crime, who was also armed with a BB gun. And looking for some target, they happened to find the neighbor's recreational vehicle. You know where this is going. <laughs> Taking careful aim at three of the windows in the RV, the criminal pulled the trigger and committed the crime. The criminal was caught. He was apprehended and brought before the judge. It was determined that about $500 worth of damage had been done. The criminal was marched to the owner of the RV, and the criminal pleaded for mercy and offered to pay for his crimes. There's only one problem. The net worth of the criminal is about $3.50. <laughs> Have you found yourself in the store yet? You and I are the guilty criminals. 
And with no conscious comprehending of what we are doing, we have often pulled the trigger and created great damage and violated the law of God, not understanding the assault that we are making upon the perfect will of God. You and I stand as guilty criminals, and what we need is mercy. The only hope you and I have is that we'll stand before God and He will extend mercy to us. I hope I get mercy. But remember, hope is a confident expectation. How can you know that you know that you know that you know that when you stand before God, He will not treat you as a criminal? Because if you believe that He treated Jesus as if he pulled the trigger. He can treat you as if you have never sinned. It is caused by something Jesus did, not earned by something I do. And, you know, a guilty criminal, he can find a lot of different ways to try to pay off his debt. I know I pulled the trigger. I know I caused that damage, but I'll work it off. You can never work to pay off the debt because... The crimes that you've committed had an infinite price tag. You don't have enough lifetimes to pay it off. And so you and I stand as guilty criminals, and the only hope is that God would cause mercy to be extended to us. And it results in two things. Notice here, it says, according to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Hope is caused by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But listen, that event that took place 2,000 years ago, you've heard of it, I'm sure. You've seen movies. There's a story and there's songs and there's... uh, You know the story, right? How does an event that took place 2,000 years ago have any bearing on you today? You can only hope for mercy if God has not only raised Jesus from the dead, but He's raised you from the dead. Do you understand that you and I are born into this world as guilty criminals and as a result, sin has killed us spiritually? We have a terminal disease. We're all spiritually dead. Some of us just think, no, I'm just kind of a little, I'm a little spiritually weak or I'm a little spiritually sick. But it's really hard to admit, I don't have any spiritual life in me whatsoever. And if you were here this morning and you're kind of looking around like, what are all these people so jazzed up about? If there's not any spark of emotion in you to relate to what was going on, it could be because you're spiritually dead. Working in the funeral home, you say, weren't you scared? No, why? Because these people are dead people. They can't do anything to me. I am a lot more afraid of the people that are still alive. (laughs) The people that are dead are no threat. Dead people don't respond. Dead people don't react. And if when God speaks, you don't respond and don't react, it could be because you're spiritually dead. When everyone else is hearing the voice of God and everybody else is celebrating the resurrection of Christ, if there's not a spark of life in you, it could be that you're spiritually dead. Now listen, you said, why are you beating me up telling me I'm dead? Because I want you to be spiritually alive. 
And your only hope is that God would spark spiritual life in you and cause you to be born again. God brought life in an empty tomb and God needs to bring life in a dead, cold, empty heart in you this morning. Come out of your spiritual grave. Come alive spiritually. Respond in faith and repentance to the story of the gospel. And believe today that hope is caused by you being born again. Have you heard that phrase, born again? It's used in the Bible a lot. And a lot of people kind of make fun of that term, being born again. It's really not that hard to understand. Do you have a birthday if I ask you, do you know your birthday? On the count of three, tell me your birthday. Everybody, tell, I'll tell you mine, you tell me yours, okay? One, two, three. June 17th, 1967. Some of you left off the date because you're ashamed of how old you are. But you have a date, right? Don't you remember that day? Don't you remember that wonderful experience of being born? Remember being all cuddled up there with mom? And all of a sudden there's bright lights and everybody's pulling on you and you get whacked on the bottom and you scream and like, whoa, it's the greatest day of my life. Do you remember that? No, don't remember that. What if I looked at you and said, well, then how do you know that you were really born? You're like, I'm here. There are, there are signs of physical life, right? You have ears that hear. You have a heart that beats. You you have senses, you have movement, you have progress, you have growth. It's all evidence of, spiritual, of, of physical life, right? Well, listen, when Jesus says you must be born again, do you know what he's telling you? You need a spiritual birthday, too. A lot of times when I ask people, are you a Christian? They'll say to me, oh, I've always been a Christian. No, no, you've always been dead, spiritually. And you need a spiritual birthday that makes you alive to the things of God. Our eyes are open. We hear the voice of God, this word. We feed on it. We have an appetite, spiritual hunger. There's spiritual progress. There's spiritual growth. There's spiritual muscle that carries spiritual weight. There's all these evidences of spiritual life. If the evidence of spiritual life is not there, do you understand what it says? You've never had a spiritual birth. If you've never had a spiritual birth, you need to be resurrected this morning. You need a spiritual birthday. March 27th, 2016 can be your spiritual birthday. I'm going to give you an opportunity here in just a few minutes just to invite Jesus Christ to take over control in your life and to bring spiritual life where there's only been spiritual death. And you can walk out of here with the hope, a living hope, because you are now a living spiritual person that has spiritual signs of life. If that's never happened to you, make it happen. Do you have a spiritual birthday? Tell me your spiritual birthday on the count of three. I'll tell you mine. One, two, three. August 28th, 1982. Now, not every, it was a little quieter in the room at that point, wasn't it? Not, now, you may not even know. You may not know the day and the hour. It's okay. You don't have to know the day and the hour. But listen, if you do not have spiritual birth, you do not have spiritual life. If you don't have a conversion story, you don't have a conversion. 
If you can't look at a time in your life when things changed, when you died to your old way of life, where you turned from the things that God hates, and now you love the things that you once hated and hate the things you now love, and there's been this complete turnaround in your life, you don't have spiritual life, and you don't have hope. Spiritual birth is something that is caused by believing in the resurrecting power of Jesus Christ. Not only is something hope... Uh, hope is caused, but hope is something that is kept. Look at verse 4 and 5. Here's what we have to look forward to. An inheritance that is imperishable. It means it never ends. No expiration date. It's undefiled. That means it's unpolluted. Not like this world at all. Not under the curse. It's unfading, which means that we're going to get to see it in all of its glory. Kept in heaven for you. Are you looking forward to that day? We live in this world with its aches and its pains and its cancer and its Alzheimer's. And we realize we were made for a world that we've never seen. There's an inheritance waiting that gives us hope beyond the grave. Do you have that hope? A confident assurance that you'll be there? Larry King never found it. I trust that today you'll understand. And I would say this. Do you realize that the inheritance waiting for us, a lot of people when they think of heaven, they think about, yeah, a big mansion with gold bars on there. And, and I'm just, God is just going to make so much of me when I'm in heaven. No. Would you want to go to heaven if Jesus wasn't there? Then you want to go to heaven for the wrong reason. You want to go for a selfish reason. We want to go to heaven because it's there that we will be set free to worship Him unhindered by this body of sin. And so hope is kept. Notice it says, all of that inheritance, imperishable, undefiled, unfading, is kept for you in heaven, but it's also guarded on earth. Look at verse 5. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Sometimes when I ask people, do you want to become a Christian? Do you want to put your faith in Christ? They're, they're hesitant because they don't believe they can live up to the commitment. Welcome to the club. You see, faith is not something that just gets us into heaven. Faith is something that preserves us until we get to heaven. And God is the one who's guarding our faith. God is the one who strengthens our faith. Our ability to get to heaven is not dependent upon my ability to have enough faith. It's dependent on my ability to have the right object of faith. The fact that Jesus died on that cross for me, that's where my faith is. And God will guard that faith until I receive that in heaven. And here's the third thing that we learn about hope. Hope is available. Hope is available to you today. It says here in verse 6, it says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of of Jesus Christ. You see there in verse 6, he mentions two words that seem to be contradictions. Joy and grief. 
Do you know that only in a Christian, only in someone who has been born again, can you experience joy simultaneously operating with grief? It's the unique hope of a Christian. If you are a Christian, you can find something every day that would give you a reason to grieve. And if you are a Christian, you can find something every day that will give you a reason to hope. We grieve not like those who have no hope. We rejoice even though we have circumstances and situations that, that, that bring tears and pain. That's why we need hope beyond this world. How do people go to funerals and say goodbye to loved ones with no hope that they would ever see them again? That there's no hope beyond the grave. That's the Christian hope is that God has a resurrecting power that brings dead things back to life. And not only does he bring dead people back to life, he brings dead marriages back to life. He brings dead faith back to life. He brings dead churches back to life. Hope is available for every person who is facing a fiery trial. And then it says in verse 8, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Hope is available for everyone who has never seen with their eyes this God that we speak about. You say, that's impossible. How can you love someone you've never seen? Think about who's writing this. Peter's pinning these words, and yet he's writing these words about 60 years after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's writing to a generation of people who never physically laid eyes on Jesus. And he was identifying a love in these people for Jesus, though they'd never seen him. They'd heard the story. They'd heard the story of the cross. They had heard the story of the resurrection. And there was something in them that gave them the ability to love Jesus. Do you love Jesus? Or do you just like him a lot? Listen, being a Christian is not about being an admirer of Jesus, thinking Jesus was a good person and a good moral teacher. Being a Christian is believing that Jesus is alive today. God never gave us the option of just admiring Jesus and thinking he was a good moral teacher, but dead and buried in a grave and the resurrection was a hoax. Every person who ever came to Christ either loved him or hated him. And those are your only two options. To kind of be an admiring fan from a distance but never want to love him is not the Christian life. And if that's you, you need a new love. And that love comes from a new hope, a resurrected love. And it says, though you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. In the last verse, verse 9, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Here's the reality. There is an immaterial part of you that a surgeon can't cut open and take out. You know it's there. It's the part of you that God made to connect with Him. And when we read about death in the Bible, it's different than the way we think about death. We think about death as being 
the cessation of life. The Bible doesn't describe it that way. The Bible describes death as the separation of the soul from the body. The soul lives on, and you will live on. You have a soul that will live in one of two places forever, either with God in heaven or apart from God in judgment in hell forever. Do you have a hope, a confident assurance that you know, that you know, that you know, that you will be with him forever in heaven, worshiping and rejoicing? And by the way, if you kind of endured the first half of this service, you're going to be really out of place in heaven. Why would you want to go to heaven if you didn't enjoy the first part of this service? That's what we're going to be doing for eternity. You say, well, I don't, I don't really want to be doing that. Then maybe your soul needs to get right with God. Maybe you need to come alive spiritually. You say, how do I do that? It's real simple. You acknowledge you're spiritually dead. Your sin has created a spiritual cancer that has killed you. You have a terminal disease spiritually, and it separated you from God. You're spiritually dead. Your soul is separated from God. How do you get spiritual life? You repent of sin. You put your faith in a resurrected Christ, and God breathes new life in you, and you are resurrected and connect with God and worship Him and love him and serve him with the rest of your life is that you i hope so you have a confident assurance that something better is coming because there is a resurrection that's happened to jesus and there's a resurrection that's happened to you under your seat there's a little card would you pull that out right now just dig through the confetti you'll find a little card there just says response card. There's a place for you to put your contact information. If we have your contact information, maybe you just want to put your name on there. Everybody just begin to fill that out. Just put your name there, maybe an email address. But I want you to look at those four boxes there. Do you see the four boxes? The first box says this. Today, I have trusted Christ as my personal Savior and Lord. In just a minute, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes. If you've never been born again, I'm going to invite you to commit your life to Christ and ask God to give you a living hope unlike anything you've ever had before. And maybe at the end of this service you can say, today is my spiritual birthday, March 27th, 2016. Look at the next verse, or the next box. I have questions about my salvation. I'd like to talk to somebody. You may say, Trent, now you've really confused me. I thought I had it figured out, but then I came to church and now I'm confused. I got questions. Our pastors will be here at the end of the service. You can come and talk to any of them. If you check that box, we'd like to get back in touch with you and let you know how you can know that you know that you know that you have a hope in heaven. Third box, I'm confident that I've previously trusted Christ as my Savior and my Lord. You know what you're saying? I know my spiritual birthday. I, it was, I was 12, or I was 26, or I was 35, or it was three months ago, but I remember when I came alive spiritually, you can check the third box. The last box says, I'd like to be baptized. If you check the first box, you should check the fourth box. What is this business about baptism? You know what baptism is? It is the picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And baptism is the 
picture that Christ gave to every follower to publicly proclaim, I'm with that guy. It's not only a picture of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. It's a picture of your death, burial, and resurrection, the sign of new life and new birth, that you come up out of that watery grave to live a new life given to you by a living hope in the resurrected Christ. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads right now. Everybody, heads bowed, eyes closed. Nobody looking around. I just want to give you a moment. Is there someone here today that needs a new hope? Someone that came in here spiritually dead. Your soul, your spirit has never been connected by God. You need new life. If that's you, why don't you just open your heart to Him right now and say, Lord, I believe that you died on that cross for my sin. I'm tired of living my life apart from you. I confess I need a Savior. I confess that none of my self-righteous religion can save me. I want the joy that you offer in the midst of grief. I want the hope, the confident expectation that I have a home in heaven because of what you've done on that cross for me. I want to live this new life as an act of worship to you. Help me never to be ashamed of you. In Jesus' name. Now, again, with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you just prayed a prayer like that, and you'd like to say, you know what, I think today's my spiritual birthday. Never had one of those before. I've hoped, I've prayed a thousand different prayers, but, but today is the day. I have come alive spiritually. I am coming out of the grave. God has resurrected me today. And for the first time, I have spiritual life. If that's you, with heads bowed and eyes closed, would you just lift your hand? We're not going to come to you. We're not going to embarrass you in any way. But just lift your hand. If today is your spiritual birthday, thank you. Are there others? At the end of the service, there's going to be ushers at the door with baskets. Would you just take that card and slip it in that basket? That'll be your way of letting us know what commitment you've made today. We'll follow back up with you. If you need to be baptized, if you need to speak with a pastor, we'll, we'll make that happen. And of course, we're always here at the end of the service to pray with you if you're carrying a burden. Father, thank you for meeting with us today. Thank you for new life and living hope that comes through the resurrecting power of Jesus. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for causing us to be born again through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And God, would you flood our hearts with inexpressible joy in the glory that belongs only to you. 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Receive our worship. Receive our praise. You are worthy of all that we would offer to you today. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.